LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Todd Atkins. What? <laughs> and today we are joined by a good friend, a special guest, Kevin Peck, who is the lead pastor of the Austin Stone Church and co-author of Design to Lead. Kevin, how's it going down in Austin? Man, it's finally getting cooler, but uh, it's uh, it's a delight to keep being doing ministry and and I love being back with you guys. <laughs> cooler. So for you, it's like, okay, we're in the 80s now. <laughs> Correct. It's 89 yeah. degrees. And and that's exactly what I meant. It's cooler. I have a sweatshirt on. <laughs> yeah, he's got a hoodie on. You know, that's Texas, that's Texas <laughs> through and through right there. Yep. Well, well Kevin, you know- let me ask this. Before we go further, Chandler, you failed yep. to mention one of the most important things in Kevin's I, I was I was hoping that you would hop in for this part. So there you go. Well, and now I'm wondering which interesting part you're talking about. But <laughs> I'm talking about uh, he co-leads the Strategic Learning Committee. Committee. Community. <laughs> <laughs> committee. The Strategic Learning Committee. Yes. Yes. The committee. No. Strategic Learning Committee, which SLC, that we talk about uh, occasionally on the podcast, but he and Josh Patterson lead that. And it's a, a year long, um, a year long community that comes together both in Austin, Dallas, and usually Nashville at some point in time during the year. And man, it just, uh, we've been doing that now, I think for four years and it's amazing. There's usually three full cohorts a year, but the cohort is kind of limited 12 to 15 people. So you get to know, uh, each other and you get to know, uh, them as well. And just kind of walking through. Uh, the strategic elements of church. And the the most interesting thing I think about it is that time on site, that time with each other. Um, because I know some of the guys that have gone through it, you know, they would say, Hey, yeah, Josh and Kevin are great. Um, but it's also the, the, the quality and caliber of guys that I'm going through it with a lot of whom are trying to do some of the same stuff. So uh, just, it's a learning community. So Anyway, I just thought I would throw in that uh, quick commercial uh, if if Kevin didn't. <laughs> well, even well, it's one of the even favorite last, things we do every year. Well, even last year, you guys still had it, you know, in the midst of 2020, 2021. Uh, so tell, tell, you know, just to share a little bit about what even you learned throughout the cohort, you know, going through a COVID pandemic year, <laughs> you're able to gather cohorts together. What did that, how did that help even as, you know, pastors and church leaders were going through that? Yeah, I think more than anything else last year and the year before taught us that we need other pastors in our lives to help think through issues. Um, I think for all of us at the same time, we all ran into issues that we'd never done before. Uh, and in almost any other situation, you got you got to think somebody on your team has done something like that. And so maybe you can just find the resources within your church to kind of figure it out or or maybe you have somebody who's older on staff who did it at a previous church or, uh, or maybe you can show up and go do a conference on some particular top topic. But last year and the year before every pastor found themselves in a situation they'd never been in before. Uh, and the best way to come up with solutions honestly was to get a lot of good ideas in the room with people who are trying to solve the same problems. And there were some unique ones, but the reality is that's what we've actually had seen year after year after year that we've done this cohort is that there are people out there who are trying to solve the same problems you are. 
and if we can get past the barriers and the facades of everything's going great, we actually can get some really deep learning uh, for one another. And so I think we learned that. We also learned that the, the job that we do as ministry leaders is weird. It's just weird. And there's no other place out there like it where you're, where, you know, you, you hear about it all the time at work. Don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. And we're in the middle of a job. That's what people are talking about. Um, and we're supposed to be their pastor and their friend and their, and, and we're supposed to be kind to them, but we're also ourselves going through issues. It's just a weird job that we do and having folks that understand that. And just being able to process what you're learning um, is 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 huge. And last year specifically, and the year before that, I think a lot of us endured a lot of um, uh, pain, suffering, conflict, um, and all those kinds of things. And yet, we still had to get up and and do the and do the thing the next week, uh, whether that was online or live or figuring out which one it was going to be. Um, and having a community of people was um, not just not just helpful, but I think critical last couple of years. And I think will be for years to come. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you and Josh, you know, putting that uh, community together. And if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds like something I might be interested in, you can go to strategicleadershipcommunity.com to learn more and you can check out the site and even what, you know, what the more details there are there. Well, today we are going to be going into the topic of how to serve your city well. So we're going back to some of the how-to topics on the five leadership questions to really walk through a little bit more practical conversations. So maybe uh, you have a question, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to talk about it. But today, Kevin, we wanted to bring you in. We know that down in Austin, the Stone is doing some some really great things. This is kind of part of your all's DNA of serving the city. So we wanted to to just learn from you and learn from the community down in Austin as well of what you guys are doing. So to set up the conversation, let's just start out with the the biblical and theological reason for why, you know, we should feel like churches are to serve the city that they're in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's I think there's really long answers and really good theological discussions to be had, but I think there's some short things that get us straight to the point. Um, first is that I mean Jesus said Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you want me to boil down the, 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 the greatest commandment, as it were, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then, of course, religious people, as they do, come to Jesus and say, so who's my neighbor? And he tells the parable of the great Samaritan. And what we learn from that really quickly is God is calling all of his people to love their neighbor. And their neighbor is someone that you see that's in need. You're supposed to go help. It's really that simple. And if God is calling all of his people to do it, then when his people, when his people are together in a community, that community will take on that personality. It would be one thing to say the pecs are compassionate, but none of them show compassion. Um, you would say that that's not true. And, and more than that, if you were to say, hey, Kevin, you yourself are following King Jesus. What are you supposed to be? Of course, I'm going to lead and instruct those that are following me to do the same. And so when I look, when we look at the scriptures, we're just seeing there's this community of people that are following Jesus. That's every local church out there. And Jesus is really clear on what he wants them to do when they say, okay, tell us, boil it down for us, Jesus. I know we've got, we've got the, we've got all the Torah, boil it down for us. He says, uh, love God and love your neighbor. And, and loving your neighbor means looking for someone who's weak, vulnerable, hurting, broken in need. And then you go meet that need. It's just that simple. And so the dialogue around like, why should we help our city? I'm like, a city is nothing if it's not just your neighbors. 
Um, you could say, fine, I don't want to love my city. Then love your town, love your neighborhood. But if you have a, if you have people in your churches that are, uh, that are from multiple neighborhoods, now you got to love multiple neighbors because those are your neighbors. Um, but I would, I would argue uh, that the, the, when God says, who's my neighbor, he's walking from one city to another. Um, he's not, he's not in a particular locale. So it's not the guy who lives next door. It's people going about life. And when you see someone hurting, you meet the need because Jesus Christ has saved your life and given you the capacity to go love in ways that are, uh, in ways that are alien to everyone else. And so for us, when we look at our city, we go, as you're doing life here in this place, as you're going about around this place, and most of it's going to be contained to this thing called Austin for the people in our church, most of their time, love your neighbor. So, you know, we interact with a lot of churches and a lot of church leaders. Uh, A lot of guys will talk about serving their city or coming along other churches to serve their city. Um, But, but how have the churches of Austin, because I know it's not just you guys. I, I know, other churches there who you guys actually partner with, like a lot of people will say, Hey, we want to partner with churches or this is part of our vision, especially church plants. Uh, We'll say, Hey, this is part of our vision. Uh, And then five years later, all nobody wants to play with us, you know, uh, would, would be the excuse why that hasn't happened. But how have the churches in Austin really come together to serve their city? Well, like, why would you say that has, how has it worked and and why has it worked? Yeah, well, I think um, I think there's a historic look. I think there's also a current look and a future look. I mean, historically, churches um, have done all sorts of different things to to love this city well long before the Austin Stone existed, um, and have have kind of cooperated in 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 things like evangelism to do evangelism events together. They've cooperated in doing. Things like one big Good Friday service are, are, are the churches in Austin have done that a few times. That's been really sweet for them to do that. They participated in some simple things, just like pastors getting together and praying for one another to sustain the churches by doing that. Um, those are some past things. I think there's some some really unique current things that have happened that I think will change the way the future is thought about. I mean, during COVID, I think you, again, shook the world a little bit. And it wasn't just COVID. It was racial injustice conversations. It was people being home and learning Zoom. It was political debates. That great storm of the last you know, two years that has caused a lot of people to to begin to like renegotiate the relationships in their lives, sometimes for ill, but I think sometimes for good. And I think pastors are doing it for good right now. I think a lot of pastors found themselves, uh, you know, we had, we, in, in our town, we had churches that were, they, they were out of their buildings because they were renting schools and schools shut down. And so we had churches helping other churches meet in churches. We had um, a number of, of folks that, you know, normally wouldn't participate because they were just busy with programming, but we all knew that that hospitals were hurting for a while. And so every church was just kind of like, how can I help? And so, Churches would partner together to make sure that individual hospitals would make sure that, you know, uh, first responders were cared for and loved and fed and those kinds of things. Um, something that was unique that was birthed uh, here in Austin that we we really have enjoyed participating in was we found during COVID, and this may not be true everywhere. I mean, I know the context of Austin, but in some ways, at least from a financial perspective, uh, 
during this season, some churches actually financially did actually better than they did before. And then there was a bunch of churches that couldn't keep the lights on. It was very few in the middle where I haven't talked to very many pastors. We're like "Eh, about the same. Most were either wildly surprised one direction or the other. Um, And so one of the things that we were uh, just, I mean, it was just a delight to see the kingdom of God come together was a group of individual uh, believers, plus some churches around Austin to say, can we have a common pool of funds uh, to create benevolence opportunities for the churches who are in communities that were most impacted financially during COVID crisis. So for us, that meant we were seeing that we had incredibly generous people at the stone, especially when some of our congregations kind of exist on the uh, the side of town where, where zoom was an easy way to do work. Uh, and so the, they were th- those folks, they, that they, they're Jesus lovers. And they thought, man, I feel overly blessed. Nothing really is changing, but I'm seeing how people are losing jobs. I'm seeing how the, you know, hospitality industry is being crushed in Austin and they just wanted to give. And so they had money and we had, we had these monies to give away. We had like, we, we had these, these big dollar amounts just to give away. And, and, and of course, every need was met that came in through our body. If you asked for help during COVID, we, we got to have one of those acts two moments where we're like, any need you have, if you're in our body, we take care of it. But there was still plenty. And so we were able to like say, hey, what if we could connect to churches who have more needs than they have income? Isn't that what the body of Christ is, is, is looks like? And so we were able to establish a trustworthy kind of common way to distribute funds to to churches where they had so many needs coming in and yet they were meeting so many needs that people didn't have income to give because those were the very same people that were losing jobs. And so it felt very much like a kind of Jerusalem Antioch moment. Um, We were also able to um, actually fund the actual individual churches that were having, having a hard time keeping their doors open. Some of the churches that were in the most strategic areas of our town in order to reach the most hurting and the most uh, vulnerable people in our town, the, the impact was profound because the, the people needed money, but then the church couldn't itself afford its own bills. And so um, it was, it was really sweet to be able to say, Hey, this is when we can actually help church to church. And so some of the sweetest things for me as a pastor ever has been able to see one church be able to like provide funds for another church. Not, not because they were doing it merely out of some kind of sentimentality, but because that's how the kingdom needed to work uh, in that moment. So that was really sweet. And then also nonprofits, nonprofits were uh, devastated by this. And yet some of those were like the, the closest people uh, to the vulnerable populations of our city. Um, and so that same kind of collaborative funding network was able to engage with those nonprofits and, and get there. And, and now it's developing into a network that, that has folks that are um, have particular skills and would be good on boards. And so we're trying to get the people with great skills from one side of the city that might not have access um, to opportunity and, and matching those together with these nonprofits have great opportunity, but might not have access to those relationships. Uh, so that's been one way to work together. And I think those kinds of things are what makes us be able to look forward into the future. I think you will see, um, some new lines of cooperation that didn't exist before. I think, um, for us as a, as a church, you know, uh, the lines of cooperation for us, you know, they might be, uh, theological preference or styles or choices, those kinds of tribes that have been kind of uh, being birthed over the last 10 years. I think you, you're seeing uh, when we have these local crisis crises, like we had with all of the things that happened around the last couple of years. See, I think you're seeing some more localized tribes.
tribes be, be formed uh, for the care of the cities. Um, because I think all of us in some ways had to deal with the fact that during 2020 and 2021, the church was either going to become um, something in the city that um, ultimately was unnecessary or completely critical, um, but just coexisting didn't really seem to be one of the options uh, for the last couple of years. Man, love hearing all the different ways that, you know, unfortunately COVID was what it was. Like you said, it shook the world. I mean, so many have been hurting because of this. There were more needs, uh, you know, than normal. But I love hearing how in the midst of that, churches are coming together, nonprofits are coming together to serve the city and even serve each other. So that is just an awesome testimony of being able to work towards the same cause of, you know, of the kingdom of God in your city. So for you all, I know that serving the city is a big part of the DNA at the Austin Stone. If you're around there long enough, you're going to hear about it. I mean, you guys have a For the City Center. And one of my favorite things, Kevin, is, you know, just walking around that building with you and you just pointing out, hey, this is this, you know, this nonprofit, this is this business, this is what they're doing in the city. And, you, you know, they're under one roof that you guys are allowing them to be a part of. But it's not, you're not saying, here's what the Austin Stone is doing. You're saying, here's what this organization is doing for the city of Austin. So, you know, take us back, you know, because when you start a church plant, it's not always that way. You've got to embed that into the culture. So how did that become a part of the DNA at the Austin Stone to where you guys are today? Yeah, I mean, I think from the the, the beginning, you know, there wasn't some great engineered plan. I wish we were that smart. Um we just weren't, but there is step-by-step -step obedience you can do to the spirit. And, um, one of the things that we saw as we were growing at the beginning, uh, we had really good success at getting people to the thing, getting them to service. And, uh, one of the things that we were really good at, um, at least we thought, um, was worship. Like the, the we, we had really vibrant worship services. People seemed to be attracted to them. Um, uh, believers more importantly felt encouraged by them. Uh, they were passionate. People were connecting in new ways. It was, it was, it was really awesome. Um, but there was this moment when we began to read things, especially like in the book of Amos, where God says some pretty tough statements, uh, like your praise has become stink to me, uh, because you build your churches, but you don't care for the poor. Uh, you don't care for the hurting you, you, uh, your, your praise now longer is no longer acceptable to me because the way that you're living and, you know, you, you read about things like, uh, you know, in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 53, and this is the fast that I would choose declares the Lord. And it's not, it's not all these things, not all this religiosity, but it's care. So what we were learning from that was not that God wanted like less than precise doctrine or less than powerful worship services, but it can't, it, it can't stop there. It mustn't stop there. There needs to be, and there must be, if the church is expressing what she really and truly believes in her heart to be true about the gospel and the generous nature of our, of our God who, who leads our kingdom, um, then the people need to be different. Um, and so we started honestly with just some making those claims to our people like, Hey, listen, here, here's the deal. Like at the end of the day, the gospel changes you in such a radical way, um, that we should start caring about things that God cares about. And so we want to put things in front of you that God cares about. And there is this thing where the Bible is really clear. God cares about all people in one sense, but he gives special attention to people who are marginalized or vulnerable or hurting. And the reason he does that is because that is how fathers act. I love all my kids, but if one 
hurts herself really bad, there's going to be a special amount of my attention that gets drawn to her because of her pain. Uh, not because there's some kind of um, better quality in her because she's in pain. That pain doesn't make her more valuable, but what it does is it draws down my attention. We just started exposing that to believers um, and God's word does what God's word does. Um, people started changing. We also started making statements about their activation and the very nature of who they are as born again believers. We, um, if, if you hear us talk about the church very long, we're going to tell you, we, we often quote Spurgeon that says, if you're a Christian, you're either a missionary or an imposter. And the idea here was not is yes, of course, evangelism, but more than that, that you, you're the very identity of who you are is ambassadorial. Um, people ought to look at your life and you, you're, you're, there, there's a culture about you. There's an identity that people should say, like, where are you from? Um, there, there is a sense in which we should be so distinct and belong to such a different kingdom that people ought to be inquisitive about us. And we're just saying, hey, listen, if you're an ambassador and that's what your label is, you can be a good one or a bad one, but the label's on. Uh, if you're a Christian, the label's on. You can be a good ambassador or a bad one, but an ambassador you are. Um, and so when you start teaching that kind of identity level um, engagement, not just activity level, but identity level engagement in God's purposes, then to begin to say, now love your neighbor. Uh, now serve the least of these. Now let's look at these texts and say, okay, we're, we're, we're not saying that God doesn't want you to love the spiritually poor. Of course he does, but he can't always mean that. And it certainly also means that people can be spiritually poor and just poor, poor, uh, and that people can be spiritually hurting and just straight running physically hurting. And it ought to, it draws the attention of God because he is a God of compassion and it ought to draw our attention. And when it draws our attention, we should be moved to compassion, all the way to action in the same way that our Lord was. And so that's kind of like those primary teachings were big and significant. And so then we also had this like switch where we just said, it's going to be part of our mission statement. Um, and there's nothing spectacular about what we did in a mission statement. We think it captured a heart rather than caused one, but um, we just said, it's going to be part of it. And so we're real simple. And this is, there's nothing magical about this. I mean, this is like, we're going to say it and you're going to be like, yeah, shouldn't every church do that? We're saying, yes, we're not going to, we're going to be creative by being simple. Um, we ask our people, here's what we want you to do. We want you to love God. We want you to love the church. We want you to love the city. And we want you to love the nations. And we want to say that to you, like, that's your job, no matter where you live. But if you live here, that's your job is to love God first and foremost. And out of that, you should love the church, which is this local church and the big C church. You should love our city, which means you should look at this place and not critique it primarily or consume from it, but you should try to bless it. Um, you should say, man, if I'm here, people ought to notice that the kingdom of God is, is, is among them. And then we want you to love the nations. And for us, that just says, hey, listen, God has a heart for all peoples, all tongues, all tribes, all nations. And this is his kingdom. And if that's what he loves, that's what we love. Um, and so we've just kind of refined it that way. And then, and we've just seen over time that we're just going to keep reinforcing it, uh, building on it. We embody it in some of our artifacts, like, uh, Chandler brought up one of our buildings. Originally, we just said, Hey, this is what we want to do. We want to make sure all of our buildings are used for our city. And so we, we actually have imagination time where we're going to sit there and think, how can we use what we have? So this is what we want individuals to do in our church, but as stewards of church stuff, 
Uh, our church leadership team is also saying, how do we use our stuff to bless our city? Just keep our eyes open. I like that. So, you know, up to this point, except for your last point that you're kind of getting into, um, it's, you've talked about the, uh, preaching or proclamation part of this. Like when you're, you know, when you're creating culture in church, there's, there's preaching and practice. Um, you could also say people, uh, you could also say policies and processes, but I will get into a five point five P sermon if I don't watch myself. So if we're just talking preaching and practice, you've talked about the preaching proclamation of this is our vision. This is our, uh, our mission. How does that come across in, in practice? And so that's one part of the question. The other is, is there any, was there any pivotal moment? You know, uh, if we're looking Chip and Danny power of moments, there any moment, um, that this really took effect where everybody looked around and said, Oh, this is, this is who we are. And, you know, is a story that's lifted up again and yeah. again. Well, yeah. So on the practice side, um, man, we, we try to do a couple of different things. We try to we first number one, and I'll mention is we're trying to all the, all the time, teach them and give them tools to see opportunities around them and to meet those needs. And so for us, even built into that, um, even to built into that, like even at our small group level. So every small group in our church, um, they might, they might be drawn together because of a geography. They may be drawn together because they're in the same stage of life, like young marrieds. We say, Hey, here, here's the rhythms of every small group in our church. Over time, you should be gathered around God's words as a disciple. So you're going to be in God's word together. Uh, number two, you're going to be in, you're going to be in your home sharing a meal. And number three, you're going to be like ambassadors out in the community. And so those, those three things for us are kind of like, they're baked into everything. And so people are going to learn, yep, I'm a disciple, I'm a family member, and I'm, a, and I'm an ambassador. Those identity level things, they're, they're baked into even in the small group level so that, that, that it's constantly being reinforced in the practices of what they're doing. And so when we're coaching our small group leaders, we're not just saying, Hey, how was small group? And they say, good. Bible study was great. And we did prayer requests. We're going to say, great. Um, have you guys also engaged each other as family? Like, are you guys digging deep? Are you getting in there? Okay, great. How are you guys being a light in the community? How are you guys engaging as ambassadors in your community? And they may say, Hey, well, we actually go through everybody's thing. We're praying for all the, you know, gospel interactions that each one of us are having, or they may say as a group, we go out here or we throw a block party and invite unbelievers in. There's going to be lots of innovation that happens, but they're still going to be practicing the same rhythms so that it applies to whether you're a, a mom's group or you're a work faith group where you're thinking about your work and faith. Um, all of those small groups that we have, they all still have the same rhythms at, at their core. And what the core of it is, is Christian rhythms. You're going to be a disciple. You're going to be an ambassador and you're going to be part of God's family. Like those are, those are the three things we want you to do. Uh, and then the, the other bit is, is kind of more at the like, and then we want to not only kind of keep their eyes open to opportunity. Um, we want to identify some opportunities. And so what this looks like for us, um, g- generally speaking, um, and I speak in generalities because God does whatever he wants to do is what we found out over the last 18 years. But generally speaking, what we'll do first is we kind of have, uh, we kind of have a singular mindset saying there's some things that the church does really well. Um, but we can't do everything really well. Um, and so what we've decided that the church can do really well is we can mobilize volunteers. Um, we can keep them spiritually healthy. 
and we can train them to share the gospel whenever they're in a, a place where they're able to demonstrate the gospel. Um, and so those are, those are the things that we're like, we're going to focus on that. We're going to have this pool of people uh, that, that we're going to actually mobilize them. We're going to be able to push them towards things. We're going to keep them healthy as, as spiritually. And then number three, we're going to teach them how to share the gospel. Those are like our, our core. And then what we do is knowing that we go out into our, into whatever community we're looking at, whether it's a city sized community like Austin or a new neighborhood, um, we're going to start asking the questions like what significant ministries here are here or nonprofits are here and which ones are at work already. And by doing that first assessment, it really does allow you to stand on the shoulders of others and not have the hubris that you're going to discover something that no one already sees. My previous life before pastor, like 20 years ago, was a consultant. What you almost always found was the answer was already there. The consultant just got paid to ask good questions. In the same way, communities know what their problems are. Um, and, and people are already, for the most part, trying to solve them. So to identify the issues, you might go into a community and you might find out, man, here's the big nonprofits on the block. You just ask a few people, you'll find them. And three of them are about education. What do we think? Where do we think the hurting community is in this community? It's, it's school age kids for whatever reason, that's what they've identified. And so we're going to go through that. We're going to try to find what are those communities. And so then we're going to be able to identify, Hey, it looks like education and maybe housing or education and jobs, or it's going to be education and homelessness. Like there's there, you're going to feel some things in any, any, any community and anyone you go into, you're going to feel them. We go into even like wealthy communities and you're gonna be like, man, there is like 16 different private licensed counselors here and they're all full. And you just talk to a few of them. You're like, what's the issue? And they're like, narcotics addiction and marriages. Okay, well, now we know the needs of that community. And then you can begin to ask the question, okay, now, is there someone that we can begin to get to know, a partners or some partners we can get to know that we feel comfortable enough in that interaction that we think, man, we could partner here. We'd like to mobilize to them. And that's where you'll, you'll, you'll see us tip our hand is we don't try to create a lot of different things because communities are so unique that we would have to become amazing at like a million things. Um, what we want to do is stay good at mobilizing people, keeping them spiritually healthy, because if they start doing, if they start working in the city, their health is going to be at risk. Um, it gets hard to do ministry day in and night day out. It's hard, but we can keep them healthy because nonprofits typically and historically don't do a good job of that. We want to keep doing that bit. Well, so we may send you to go serve at a different nonprofit, but we want to keep, we want to keep an eye on you as it were, and keep helping you stay in the game. And then number three, we can help train you. So if you're, if we're partnering with a nonprofit, that's not gospel centered, but they're not anti-gospel. So think of food bank. We're glad people are getting food. Um, our people are coming, they're Christians and they're going to a knock. We're going to teach them, Hey, how would I share the environment? How, how would I share gospel in this particular environment? We can be good at that. Um, and so that's, that's kind of one of the ways we like operationalize this value for our people. So one is you keep your eye, eye open. So if you see anyone on the road, on the way to Jericho, you stop. And, and if you need help, you come to us. And then we're creating pathways um, by doing some of the research ourselves, Cause we'll have some people like, I want to help. I'll help everyone that I see. I want to do more. And we'll say, great. Um, here's two or three in your community that you might want to do, or here's some big ones across the city. If you're interested. Uh, and then we mobilize them straight, straight to those things. 
Man, that's super helpful. Was there, I know the second question, part of the question yes. Todd asked was, hey, was there a pivotal moment that you look back on and you're pivots. like, whoa, you know, kind of look across the board and everybody's like, whoa, this is a part of what we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there, the, one of the first ones, we did a, a series in 2008 called For the City. And that was kind of the first time we really crystallized what we believed about it. We, you know, we, we actually learned, a, learned a lot from Dr. Keller on this. And, you know, we went through the Jeremiah 29 bit. Uh, where it talks about, hey, when Israel was on the edge of, of Babylon and they just kind of stopped, they stopped on the hill. They're like, we don't want to go down in Babylon because you could see their hope. Their hope is like, maybe God will torch Babylon and we can go home. Uh, <laughs> but but God says, no, 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 I want you to move down into the city and I want you to make a home there. I want you to plant gardens there because in their flourishing, you'll find flourishing. Um, and man, that, that really moved us in a significant ways where we're just saying, what would it look like to come and be a part of Austin? Not, not to be of it. Like we, we, we still are, are heavenly people that are going to be different and distinct with different values and different passions. And, and, and we know a different epistemology and we know a different standard of truth. Like a lot of things are going to be different, but the beauty is we can come and still bring that to bear while belonging to the city that we live in and caring about it. Um, and so I have, you know, profound distinctions and belief with my natural family. Um, I don't come from a believing home, profound distinctions in some of my natural family, but I find that I'm still like, man, I, I'm going to try to bless them disagreement or no. I want to see them not only come to faith, but if they're hurting, I'm going to meet the need, hopefully so that I could share faith with them, but I'm just going to meet them. And, and what if we began to own our city in the same way? And just to say, yeah, uh, it, it's not it's not an issue of whether or not we're not going to be holy and consecrated. And just, uh, of course we are, but we're going to be present and embodied in the same way that Jesus was wholly different and God with us. Um, we we kind of took our cues from that. So that was a huge moment um, there. There was a, a unique moment there as well. That was in 2008. And what we were going to do was move our whole church. We were downtown at the time. And we found out it was going to cost like $100 million to bend downtown, which would be a steal in Austin's economy now. It was going to be like $100 million bucks. <laughs> Should have bought in while you could. <laughs> Should have got it. Unfortunately, we were still full of like college students and young professionals. So people were still tithing with coupons. And so there's no way we we're going to get $100 million bucks. And so we're, we, we bought this uh, really tough piece of property um, in the middle of our city where we thought, man, we could see God's flourishing begin here. Uh, but what we want to do is, is bless the community. So we met with the whole community and was like, what do you need? And we brought those nonprofits. So that's the building you were referring to Chandler. We brought those nonprofits, like the refugee services of Texas, every refugee that's going to come through Texas is going to come through one of our buildings. We brought them in, we brought the food bank in and we brought this, you know, we brought some people that were going to uh, crisis pregnancy center. We are going to bring all these kinds of things together to work with us. And so we, we, we were going to do all that. And we had this big master plan for our big church and this big nonprofit building and the big students. Building. We were so excited about it. And then the market crashed. Uh, that was 2009 when we were ready to go and it just crashed. And so the architects came to us and said, uh, we're going to have to cut the nonprofit building. That's what we have to cut in order to make the project work. And that was the moment we knew we're going to have to make a choice. Are we good at our word? Um, are we going to go back to the community and say, yeah, I, you know, we were, we were going to help, but you know, I got to be on my way. It felt like a very Jericho road moment. Like I would stop, but you know, I have an appointment. Um, and so what we just, this is how we decided to go multi-site. We were, we never planned on going multi-site. We said, no, instead let's shrink everything. Um, and so we, we shrank the sanctuary, shrank the kids and made it a site, but kept the nonprofit. 
Um, and then we were able to, um, to go forward with that, but we had to keep the downtown side open in the school, which we're still in today. So that was one liminal moment. You know, honestly, if I had to say, what's the other one Chandler, I'd say it, it, it might be, it might be now. Um, I think, um, that, that we've ridden that wave for quite some time, you know, it fluctuates in our passion for it, or at least our people's passion for it. But right now, Austin is changing. Uh, you and I were talking about this before it, it is, it's growing by leaps and bounds. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the country has been for a while and escalated during the last two years. We have Tesla moving in Oracle moving in Samsung moving in. Like we have all these folks moving in and it's just, it's just growing like crazy. Um, you just, you cannot buy a house right now. We, we, a friend of mine was moving here and the least competitive offer he put in, he put an offer in the day the house went on the market, the least competitive market offer was like, he was like 35 offers in. Wow. Um, and things are going for, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even in some cases over asking price. I mean, it's just, it's, it's bananas here. It's growing. And for the first time we're finding Austinites not excited about Austin. Austin's always been cool since I've been here. And for the first time I'm starting to hear people say, but I don't like this about Austin. And I don't like that about Austin. And, and so we're feeling a moment right now and we're moving towards it in the spring, just to say, what does it mean for our body to say, no, 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 no. God puts you here. And you can't win something that you don't love. Um, that's like saying I can raise my kids without loving them. You cannot. And I don't think we can be a blessing to our city if we don't love our city. That doesn't mean we have to love everything about it. Heaven knows that's not true. But what we can't be is like, we can't be critics. We can't be consumers. We have to be, we have to be people who are lovers of our city. Um, and so I think that next moment is now. I think it'll be over the next few months and we're planning on doing some, some new re like just recasting of that vision again and going, okay, what does it mean to love this city? Because this city is different than that city. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, it has the same name, but it's not the same place 20 years later. Hmm. Man, that's, that's very helpful to even think about, you know, the same vision that you had 10 years ago, you're having to recast it in a new light of where the city is now. And it's all, and once again, you know, the heartbeat of the city. So you can tell that it's changing. You, you, mm -hmm. you have your, ear to the ground of hearing people say, hey, this isn't the Austin I knew. So you're like, okay, well, we're going to have to still love the city. So let's yes. figure out how we're going to do that together. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for, for being on today and you know walking through yeah. how you all down in Austin and also other churches as well have served your all city well. Hope that you listening found this helpful and you want to step into wherever you are, whether that's your city, that's your community, whether that's the neighborhood that you guys are around, but to look for ways to, to serve the city that is around you. And we hope that we can all have a gospel impact that also increases, you know, the welfare of the city. So hope you enjoyed. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.